Hi, you're listening to Single and Mighty, the podcast for single parents leading mighty lives with Carmel Ecker, me, and Lindsay Carlson, my co-host. We really loved this conversation with Jen Herman, and I can't wait to share it with our listeners because it was just... It was just so real. Like each one of these calls is kind of like getting a little bit of coaching. It is a little bit. Yeah. And it's, you know, the podcast allows us to do something that I couldn't do in my, in my coaching practice where I coach one-to-one and although I'm, I'm starting a little bit of group work, but it's still like a small number of people. But the beauty of this podcast is that we just serve it up it's free for anyone. They can come and they can listen and they can get these golden nuggets, not just from me, not just from you, but from all of the guests that we're bringing in who have this wealth of experience and wisdom and compassion, I'll even say, you know, like that they've, they've been through the journey and they know what it feels like. And on some level, they give other single parents permission to be imperfect, to make mistakes you know, to fumble along the way, um, to feel the the guilt and then get over it. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's what I love about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been great doing this podcast. I mean, we've both had experiences where people reach out to us and let us know that they've been listening, that maybe it made a difference in their lives or Finally, they felt like somebody understood where they were coming from mm-hmm. in their single parent journey. So it's been amazing to get that feedback from people listening. So thank you all for that. Yes. Keep it coming and leave us reviews so that other people know that it's awesome and helpful. And, and that's really the whole point of that's why we want you to leave a review, whether it's just clicking the five stars or whatever you think it should be, or actually writing uh, something about that you learn something or whatever, but it, it lets other people know that it's something worth listening to. And that's yeah, what we want. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. So thank you for leaving reviews. Yes. We love that. So we just had this great conversation with Jen Herman and Jen's been a single parent for a huge part of her daughter's life. And she has learned over the years how to balance building a very ambitious career with being the single parent that she wants to be for her child. And along with that comes hard choices and trade-offs. And she's navigated those and also navigated that mom guilt or parent guilt that many of us are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is just such a joyful conversation. I think that's the part that I loved about it is when you get to the, the other side you know, uh, the other side of the hard stuff that comes with divorce or becoming a single parent or both. (laughs) Um, There is this, you land in a place where you're like, "Ah, I'm okay. Things are good. I've got my things set up. I've got my people. My kid is happy. No, it's not perfect. That's okay. And I really love how Jen was willing to tell people that she's a single parent, mm-hmm. what her situation is, um, and just be straightforward when she needed help and realizing that it doesn't have to be equal when you ask for help from other people and they help you out. You don't have to keep score. You just have to remember to show up for other people when when they need your help. Yes. Yeah. I was. I, she has a, a lovely little phrase there. I'm not going to share it because you'll hear it when you listen. Um, but it's a, it's a golden, golden nugget. Yeah. Love it. All right. So without further ado, here's Jen Herman. I've been following Jen for such a long time as an entrepreneur, somebody that I've been learning from. So this is such an honor, Jen. Uh, Jen is the founder of Jen's Trends, which is a globally recognized Instagram uh, expert brand. She's also an international speaker and an author, and I know she's doing a lot of podcast interviews, just educating people everywhere she goes these days. So thanks for taking a few minutes to speak with single parents, Jen. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like we were saying in the green room, I'm excited to talk about something that's not really work-related, even though it's (laughs) work-aligned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess what we always start with is, you know, what's your, what's your single parent story? 
So mine goes all the way back to being pregnant. Uh, so it was one of those things where um, my ex and I had been married for years, a decade. And when I got pregnant, we were not planning to get pregnant. It was not, you know, it was definitely a mistake. It was not part of the life plan at that point. Um, and during the process, it just was not honestly the best pregnancy experience for me because of the relationship situation that we were in. Um, I enjoyed, I loved being pregnant in itself, but the relationship experience wasn't the best. And so when my daughter was six months old, we made the decision to split. And so I've pretty much always done the single parent thing. I haven't really had a partner while being a parent. And so with before she turned a year, we were officially divorced uh, and living separately. We, at the time, split 50-50 custody. So it was one of those like, okay, I've got 50% of my week to do what I need to do and work. And I had my time with her, which became my bonding time with her. I didn't work. And I devoted my time and attention to fun weekends and, and time to just do crafts or whatever with her. And then over the years, my time increased. So we went to more like a 70-30 as she got more into like the kind of preschool and those sorts of stages where I took responsibility for the educational component to the point where now for the last almost, well, over a year, almost a year and a half, I've now had her 100% of the time. And she's going on eight years old. She'll be eight years old this summer. And I retain 100% custody. Her dad has visitation um, on the weekends, but it's been a, a big shift going from, you know, getting time to yourself to, I have her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge change. That it is, job. but it's been good. It, it's been good for both of us. And I'm not complaining in any way, shape or form, but it's, it's evolved with having to find mom friends. It's evolved with having to have multiple nannies and babysitters on call. It's evolved to having to rely on neighbors and friends and other people in my life for like, oh shoot, I gotta get childcare. And so there's all these shifts that have evolved over the last couple of years that are great, you know, and to have those resources are wonderful, but it's definitely been a shift. Yeah. It sounds like it was somewhat gradual. Like, do you, do you find that, um, it's kind of been, because it's been ramping up over it, you just going straight from 50, 50 to a hundred percent that that's eased you in a little bit. I, I would say, yes, I don't think there's ever an easy transition to taking a hundred percent child responsibility. Right. Like, even if you're a full-time parent and you have a spouse, there's still somebody else that at nighttime, like if you have to work late or if you have yeah. to pick up that call or if you have to go to the appointment, there's somebody else who can either do it or coordinate the care. So no matter how gradual it is, I don't think there's ever an easy shift to taking on 100% responsibility for a child. It is a, it's, it's a mind mess. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> yes. with the the constant logistics and the planning and all these things that tie into it. But yeah, it was it was good because we had the 50-50. And so I really got used to working certain days and not having, you know, the the break. And then other days I would, you know, not work and I would give her the attention. And then when we shifted to that kind of mid 70-30 range, it was like, okay, well, I'll work really late on Friday night, but when she gets here Saturday at 10 a.m., I'll be ready to go kind of thing. So it did kind of help with that shift in some ways where it wasn't going from like, yeah, 50-50 to 100. Has it been tough for your daughter to to experience that? Because like you, she went from mom's all about me when I'm with her to now that it's 100%, mom can't be all about her, you know? Yes. Like... And again, she's seven, like, and this started when she was six. And although she can rationally understand what I'm saying, she can't emotionally accept what I'm saying. And that was a really big shift for us where I would make sure that, you know, I stopped working at six o'clock on the nights that I had her. And I would make sure that I did as much work as possible on the days when she wasn't here. And we'd have super fun weekends. Well, now there's nights where I'm working till 830 at night and go, oh God, we didn't do a bath. Oh. You're going tomorrow. You're going to bed. Like it. And so she has. Oh my God. I so adapt. relate to that. I got it. Right. You smell fine. You can go another day. <laughs> yes. But it's, it, she's had to adapt. Yeah. To the reality yeah. of like, I mean, even right now we're on summer vacation and I'm like, I'm not on summer vacation. I'm still working. Yeah. 
And she's yeah. coming in going, but mommy, you haven't played with me. But mommy, I'm bored. Mommy, I'm hungry. And I'm like, girl, you got two feet in a heartbeat. You can go get your own damn stuff. Like, go. You can feed yourself. <laughs> you know what? But you bring up something. It's really tough when you only have one child. Like they don't have anyone to play with. They don't have that default playmate and, and you are their default playmate. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I have a, a, an only child as well. So I can totally relate to that. And, you know, how do you, we talked a little bit in the green room about the mom guilt that comes with, (laughs) you know, the, the tough choices that you have to make. And so how have you, how have you managed, you know, those moments where she's been, but mom, (laughs) yeah, I I want to play with you. Yeah. The mom guilt is legit. Like it, it runs hard. Uh, I think, I mean, dad guilt is there too. I mean, I, I know amazing single dads who have the dad guilt just as much as we have the mom guilt, but I can only speak to mom guilt. Um, but yeah, it's, it is hard. And it's one of those things where, you know, I literally just had this conversation with my best friend yesterday because I was, you know, it was the whole mommy, you haven't played with me and it's bedtime. And I'm like, You know, and I'm like, and we never feel like we're doing enough, right? Like there's always, I could have, should have, would have something different. And I don't want to look back at, you know, 20 years and be like, I should have played with her more and worked less. But the reality is, and this is how I always bring it back to myself is we do the best we can at the time with the resources we have available to us. We are all doing the best we can. And we have a limited box of capacity. There's only so many hours. Absolutely. There's only so many ways I can help somebody else. There's only so many things, you know, that she needs my help with or that we're, I have to help her. Right. Because it's like, how do I tell my kid no, but also like try to make her understand why I'm saying, and that, you know, and there, I mean, don't get me wrong. There've been plenty of times where I'm like, girl, that food on that table, this roof over your head, those clothes on your back. I'm like, I pay for all that. Cause I work hard. Like I'm, I'm I think every mom has done right. That. I've totally pulled that card with my son. Like, I'm like, do you want to go to ballet or not? Cause if you don't want to, I can play with you more. Like, you know, it's like, we have those <laughs> moments where we, we want to give them everything. And there's this balance of finding how much do we work to give them the opportunities and how much do we work to spend those opportunities with them? And it is such a fine balance, but her independence, like since she was a child, she's, she's very close to me. We have an amazing bond. She's very independent. She is very resilient. She's had a lot of challenges. She's had to overcome and she's had to learn to do things on her own. Cause I'm like, girl, you got to figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. And that's one of the advantages to, to those kids, my kid too, um, growing up as a, as a single child, only child and, uh, and having to sort that out. I also really love that you're saying this because I have faced so much mom guilt as I've been trying to grow a business and, you know, left a job that was sort of nine to five. And now sometimes work creeps into the funniest times Mm -hmm. and I don't have a lot of say sometimes. And it is it's a little bit terrifying looking at the next eight weeks when our kids are going to be off school for the summer. Cause we're a little <laughs> bit behind you yeah. and mine is 12. So she doesn't want to go to camps, which I used to rely on quite heavily. And I'm just, yeah, I have to get over that feeling that I have to be present every minute yeah. with my daughter because that actually isn't necessarily helpful to her either. So I love that you're saying this because I think a lot of us feel it and it's really hard to talk about. It is. And it's, and our kids are master manipulators. They will guilt trip us all day, right? <laughs> like you don't play with me and I'm going to fail at college because you didn't give me attention. Like the way that they will manipulate and add to the mom guilt is next level. But it is like, it's, it's something where, again, where there's only one of us. And even if the child is going to the other parents on some sort of regular schedule, whether that's 20%, 50%, whatever it is, you still are doing it all, right? And, you know, we're still, for the default parent, even as a single parent, the moms are usually the ones that are booking the doctor's appointments and the dentist appointments and coordinating the you know, the, the weekend volleyball tournaments or, you know, whatever these things are, even if the other parent is involved, we never stop being a parent when we're a single parent. We don't check out because, oh, Mm. the kid's gone. I get to do what I want. You're still in mom mode. You're still in parent mode and it doesn't stop. I'm a little 
curious because I, I think about this a lot because I know that's the situation in our family as well. And yeah. I, you know, I wonder how much of that is that we just can't let go. Like we need the security <laughs> of knowing that all of these things are taken care of because if we leave it up to the other parent, we're just, we just, for whatever reason, we don't trust that this stuff will get mm-hmm. done or we don't ask for the help that we could use yeah. because we're like, Oh, it's just, you know, and we do this with kids too. Like, Oh, it's just easier for me to do it myself than to ask you to, yeah. or teach you to wash the dishes or do the laundry or, you know, whatever it is. And it's 100% a default for us, right? Like it's our fallback. It's, you know, we know that we're going to be the ones that have to schedule the doctor's appointments. We may as well just do it. By the time we ask for someone else to do it, we say, Hey, this like, it needs to happen. I need you to schedule this. We're going to spend more time following up, wondering if it got done, making sure it gets done, that we're just like, you know what, we're just going to do it. And that's, it's not (laughs) right, but it's for those of us, especially the more type A, the more, you know, independent, entrepreneurial, you know, motivated type moms, it does become that, I, like you said, I, I think it really does become a default. It's just our easy way of handling it rather than passing it off. And that is something that I've had to, I mean, from when it comes to like doctor's appointments and, and those sorts of things, that's just never going to get done by anybody else in, in my family situation. But I've, I'm starting to learn to rely on other moms. I'm starting to rely on, you know, whether it's my boyfriend or my best friend or people that say, hey, we're going to do this for you. And I'm like, Yes. Oh, what, what is this concept? Yes. Like, what? what do you mean yes. someone else is going to take my kids? Somewhere? I'm not alone. Right. Yes. And it's a yes. hard shift to accept. Mm-hmm. And it does like, even with nannies, like I've had to rely on overnight nannies so I can travel for work. I go to conferences and have to speak and I have to be gone for two days. So I need an overnight nanny to make sure my kid gets to school and everything. And, and to walk away and trust that my kid will get to school with another human being. That was anxiety written for the first couple of times. Oh, like, I bet. I bet. Right? But I've yeah. learned to trust other people. I've learned to accept how mm. that was one of, in the last year and a half, one of the hardest things I had to learn was to ask for help and to accept help. Mm. That it's okay mm-hmm. for me to ask a mom friend, can you pick my kid up from school? And one of my friends said something to me early during this stage and because and, I was going through this battle with it. And she said, it, ne- it doesn't have to be equal. It has to be fair. And that means that I don't, ha- if, if they pick my kid up 12 times, it does, I don't have to pick their kid up 12 times, but when they need something, I have to be available. It has to be fair that when they need help, I help. It doesn't have to be an equal distribution. And that was a light bulb moment for me because we're so programmed to be like, Oh, well they helped me once now I got to take their kid. I, we we got to keep it equal. I got to keep it fair but it's not equal that equals fair. I think that's so worth writing down. That. It doesn't have to be right. Equal. It just has to be fair. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, we're not keeping score. Yeah. yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's actually toxic yeah. for any kind of yeah. relationship that keeping score of tip, you know, tit for tat. Well, if you, uh, if I do this yeah. for you, then at some point I'm going to be able to call in that. Or, you know, if you pick my kid up yeah. six times, I'll pick your kid up six times or whatever it has. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that so much. And I think that's really worth And I think for me yeah. too, it was also really important for the mom friends to understand my situation. And I mean, I'm more, I'm verbal vomit. I'll tell you my entire life story if you let me. So it's, I'm not, I'm not hiding anything, but it was very important for me to explain to the other mom friends that like, this is my situation. This is why my ex isn't here. This is why I'm in last minute childcare mode. This is why this fell through. Like, so that I wasn't mm-hmm. just this person needily bugging them for childcare, but that they understood my circumstances and that made them much more willing to help. I think we, a lot of us take too much pride in being like, I've got this under control and I'm not going to tell anybody what's yeah. going on. So when you ask for help, they're like, why do you need help? Right. But when we're vulnerable yeah. and we share and we explain our circumstances, people actually want to help us. 
Yes. Yeah. And when you look like that super mom who has it all together, yeah. you know, it might feel awesome on the outside, but it really does leave you completely on your own. Um, it makes me think of that amazing story that you shared on Instagram the other day about your daughter and a ballet recital. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a bit about the community you brought together in that one? Oh my God, this one's going to make me cry. It always makes me cry. So last year was my daughter's first year in dance and she was doing hip hop last year. And I had her in the class with her little bestie and I've become really good friends with the bestie's mom. So we've become really good friends in the process, which is great. But at the time last year, we were still newer friends. And so, you know, I'm a single mom at the time. I wasn't in a relationship with anybody. I don't have family here. And so when we went to the year end recital, you know, technically we were with the friend's family, but they were sitting in a different part of the auditorium. I was in a seat all by myself watching my daughter dance. And there was just so much cheering and all these things for all these older dancers and everyone, you know, yelling up the dancers' names. And I sat there in tears in this auditorium during the dance recital going, someday my daughter will have a cheering squad because I was there by myself. There was no cheering squad. Literally Mm -hmm. fast forward one year. Dude, just last weekend, my daughter's done her first year of ballet, and this year we had 14 people in our section that were cheering her on. So oh, we awesome. had two moms, you know, because there's three girls that do the dance, so we had our families and grandparents. My next-door neighbors came. My best friend is here. Like, we had all of these people, and they were all cheering on all three of our girls, and it was so just monumental for me to have this moment of being like, oh my gosh, we did it. We built this community. It's not just me and her anymore. It's because literally the day she was born, I have a photo on my wall. I said to her, it's you and me against the world. Get out. And now today it's no longer me and her against the world. We have our community. We have mom friends and she's got friends. And my boyfriend has five adult children and they've all adopted my daughter and they love her and she loves them. And I've got my best friend who comes down every month from Canada to San Diego just to see me and my daughter and be there for first day of school, be there for last day of school, be there for birthdays. And so we really, I mean, I know someone said it the other day, they said it takes a mom to make a village. And, you know, cause we always hear it takes a village to raise a child, right? They were like, it takes mm-hmm. a mom to make the village. And I was like, girl, I did not ever think of it that way, but that is the epitome of what it takes as single moms. Like we have to build that community of people that will support and rally around us. I love that story. Yay, you. <laughs> I almost so cried during that story. I love this shift. For, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what happens when we see that need and we're willing to be vulnerable and say, you know, I don't have it all in my, can't have it all on my shoulders. There is a lot to keep control of and I'm doing a kick-ass job, but I need some help. Yes. And I'd love some community and oh my gosh, I just love that story so much. Yeah. Me too. It was very, it, it was very, you know, full circle, but it was, it was one of those yeah. things that like, I don't have a vision board, but I have a goal board. And one of the things on my nice. goal board, I wrote, have a cheering squad for my daughter. And so to literally a year later, take that goal off and like complete it was such a milestone. And it was such a thing of like, I needed to stop and celebrate that. I needed to stop and recognize what we achieved in doing that. I really, I really want to point something out that's beautiful about that story is that you didn't kind of pity party on yourself. You know, you didn't go like, Oh, I wish my daughter had a, I mean, you did kind of at the time, but, but then then you very (laughs) intentionally did something about it. Right. There there are so many people out there and I'm not just talking about single parents, right. Um, who, you know, things don't quite go the way they wanted to. And then they're just like, Oh, I wish, I wish, how come things are so good for these other people? And I just don't have that. Right. Well, it takes work. Everything in life takes a little bit of work and some intentionality and and having a vision board or a goal board or whatever it is that works for you and then working your way towards those things that you want. Exactly. And it really was, it was very intentional. It was very like, you know, I mean, for the sake of argument, I was like, my daughter has recital and you all are showing up. Like (laughs) I didn't give people an option not to come. (laughs) I was kind of 
of like, I'm buying tickets and these are not cheap tickets. So you all are coming. Um, but it, but it was intentional. Right. And it was building an entire year of dance with the dance moms. Like we, we have our three girls and every, not every week, but I would say like 75, 80% of the weeks that we go to dance, we all go to dinner afterwards with the three girls and the three moms. So we're intentionally building this mom community because our girls are in dance together and they're in school together. And we don't know if they'll be in the same class next year, but we've committed to doing a once a month dinner, even if the girls aren't in school together so that we can make sure that we maintain these friendships. But that's, that does come from us. Like we have to schedule, we have to plan, we have to be intentional to say, we're going to keep and foster these relationships because yeah, otherwise I could easily be like, I'm too busy. I'm busy doing this. I'm traveling. I'm working. I don't have time for dinner. I, I can't afford dinner this week. Like there's, we could have a million excuses, but we've all set that intention to say we're committed to this for our girls mm. and ourselves. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And yourselves. hundred percent. Yeah, I love yourselves, it. Definitely <laughs> yourselves. Right. Because it does, it, yeah. it can feel very lonely. Yes. And being able to go, you know, to dinner with other moms and have a glass of wine once a week and, and so we typically do kids table, adult tables. So the kids don't sit with us, but they're like in close proximity in the restaurant, but they love it because they're independent and they order for themselves and it's great, but it gives us mom time. And we talk about work and our careers and we talk about kids and families and whatever's going on. And it's, it's that networking time, but it's not work, right? Like it's, it's totally separate yeah. than my networking coworker type friends it's mom friends. And we need that as moms. We need that chance to be like, Oh, I'm not alone in feeling this way. I'm not alone in how, you know, this is perceived or when we're super hard on ourselves and having other moms look at us and be like, girl, you're doing 10 times more than I would do for my kid. And you're like, really? Like, I feel like I'm failing. They're like, Oh my God, you're amazing. Like we all need an ego stroke every now and then. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that because you know, you've done such a great job of building your business. You've written books and you've spoken on stages around the world. And those are all really hard, awesome things, but you could spend all your time building that business. It could take your entire life from you. So you're on purpose carving out that time so that you have a social life, you have a partner and your daughter has great connections because of the work that you're doing there as well. So that's really, yeah. That's really very strategic. And I think your daughter's learning a valuable lesson about how to create relationships yeah. uh, and friendships as she as she grows up. Like, I think that's something yeah. that we don't always learn um, when we're, you know, modeled in our parents because a lot of times they've established their friendships. Mm-hmm. And so they're not necessarily having to grow new friendships. It depends on your context. But I grew up in a small town. My parents lived there. Yep. You know, I grew up there my whole life until I was 18. So it was always the same people. And so I never really yeah. got that model of creating new friendships. And that's mm-hmm. something that I need well, to do on my own. My parents didn't have friends. Like they did, but we didn't know right. them. Like, we had family, we had like, you know, their brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles, but they didn't really have friend groups. Like my mom never went out for mom dinners and my mom never, you know, did anything that wasn't family oriented. And, and my mom is not like the traditional, you know, Stepford wife in any way, shape or form. She's very independent and she raised us to be independent. She was like, you're out of the house, go, please. But she, <laughs> she never had the mom friend groups. And so like, it is weird for many of us in our age and generation that are like, we didn't grow up, like you said, with this model of friends and making friends and building communities. And mm-hmm. that was never something most of us ever witnessed. And so, yeah, for my daughter to be able to see, here's how I, you know, I build my work friends. I'm, I'm doing these work environments because I'm very busy with conferences and networking events and dinners, but also here's how we build friends locally. And here's how we have you know, we, and she sees, you know, my best friend showing up for us. And she sees that that's what a commitment and friendship looks like. And she sees, you know, she'd be like, why do we have to go over and help them? And I'm like, cause that's what friends do, you know, like, but these my are son things does that, the same thing, by right? the way, <laughs> right? <laughs> why? I just want to be at home and be lazy. Like I go over and help my neighbors all the time. They're elderly and I'm their like local IT support. So she's like, my computer's not working. And I'm like, I'll be there in two minutes. Oh, it's funny. So it's always the, that's so funny. Right? <laughs> Why do we have to go over yes. there? But that's, that's yes. how we're modeling totally. relationships for our kids. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. And so when you're showing your kid that you're so committed to work and so committed to these relationships, I mean, she really is learning her story too, like her roots. She knows that she was raised by a hardworking single mom who also really cared about community. And she's going to have not just independence, but the ability to connect and adapt from all of those things that you're doing with her. Yeah. I hope so. It's kind of amazing, Jen. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, there's so much more to it than just the mom guilt, right? You're, you have a vision of what you can grow and you're being very realistic with what you're able to do in that vision, but you're working towards it and it's so beneficial for her. And I think that's one of those things where like, you know, attached almost to the mom guilt is the, I'm never doing enough, right? Like my business should be further along. I should be making more money. I should have gotten that raise. I should be, I should be doing more volunteer work. I should be doing more in my community. Like we never feel like we're doing enough. Like there's always something else we should be doing. There's always some other expectation or we're having to say no to this family event because we're just too tired from this or whatever it is. And I think to your point, Lindsay, it really is our kids need to learn that we don't have to do it all. We literally do it all, but we don't have to do it all. And there are boundaries and there are limitations and it's okay to take that Saturday morning and be lazy and watch movies. We don't have to, you know, fill our weekend with 42 activities and and driving all around this city. And because our kids need to see that we take that time for ourselves too, that we're not, just over committing to everything else that it's okay to say, no, I can't give you attention tonight or no, your dinner tonight's going to be a bowl of cereal because I need to finish this project for work or whatever that (laughs) thing is that it's okay to not be the Pinterest stepbird wife a hundred percent of the time. Oh my goodness. Yes. There are are times where I feel (laughs) guilty because I don't have a bunch of plans for the weekend. Like I haven't arranged a play date or whatever, or we're not going out and doing something super fun. And, and I'm like, we're just sitting here at home and is that okay? And I have to like (laughs) roll back and and be like, you know what? It's amazing. It's okay. It's not like this is every day. So it's okay. And, yeah, I mean, and you would have so much built-in rest if you had a partner full-time. A lot of other people who are, you know, off all the time, maybe they have a built-in foot rub every night. Or, <laughs> right? You know, we need to we need to build that into our own lives so that we feel a chance to recharge. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know what? I think that kids actually enjoy sitting around and like watching movies oh, yeah. with mom or dad or whatever. Like that's yeah. actually not a bad thing. <laughs> It's no, okay. and my kid like yeah. really like my kid will regularly ask. She's like, "Can we just have a lazy day?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, we can't have a lazy day. We need to do a million things. Do you know that it is Saturday and we have to get oh my God, this and this and this?" But she does like she's our kids are go yes. go go. Like they're at school and they've got extracurriculars and they they are firing their brains on every possible neuron all day long. That yeah, like. It's okay to lay around on a Saturday night or a Thursday night or whatever it is and just veg out in front of the TV and watch a movie or read <laughs> books quietly in the same room or, you know, whatever it is. It's actually yes. healthy for them. I'm saying this like as if I, I've actually believed this. I do believe it, but I don't practice it. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard to slow it's down. Like it is. Sometimes. And again, it's, it's the guilt, right? It's the, you know, and yes. then, of course, like social media doesn't help where, you know, you see everyone else is like, oh, their summer vacation started. And they're off to Hawaii. And they're off to France and they're off to Mexico. And, they're, and I'm like, girl, I'm working all week. Like yeah. you're on your iPad. Have a freaking good week. Like, <laughs> yeah. And how do you know that those people didn't spend yeah. two or three years saving up to go and do that? Right. Like that's their that's their highlight reel. And, and I, I yep. love this way of looking at it. Like, yes. remember that social media is generally everyone's highlight reel. It's not there every day. They're not sharing the ho-hum, humdrum stuff that's going on in everyday life. They're not sharing nobody wants the, to, the anger and the frustration. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Although we could do that, right? Like, what the heck? I try to do <laughs> Share it more. your lazy Saturdays. I try to <laughs> yeah. do that more. It's, it is one of those things where I'm trying to be more open and honest about the single mom life, like both on my public Instagram and even like my personal Facebook. Because like, and it's it. one of these things where... I'm at a stage now where 
you know, like I said, I got divorced when my daughter was less than a year old. So I, I you know, I don't want to say I've quote mastered the single mom dumb, but I'm, I'm pretty experienced at this point. And I have friends who are just starting to go through this, right. Where they're maybe a year into divorce. Maybe they're just getting ready to file for divorce. Yes. And I've had so many people that will message me privately on Facebook because of the posts that I've shared. And they say like, and these are people who have literally never liked or interacted with a post. But they'll message me and say, I just want you to know how valuable your posts are because you show me that there is a possibility of happiness when all of this is done. And so we, but I also share the crap. I share that like, here's a day where I'm working till 10 o'clock. Here's a day where I gave up and fed my kid, you know, McDonald's because I just didn't want to deal with cooking or, you know, whatever it is. I think as moms and whether it's on social media or amongst your mom friends, we need to share the realities. We need to talk about, you know, not just, that highlight reel of, Oh, well we did this and we did that. And we went here and we did this and my kids in this amazing thing. And she got this amazing award. I'm like, I tell everybody, my kids in speech therapy, she's got tutors. I'm open and honest about it. Not to do anything to negatively impact her, but to showcase that it's okay to talk about these things. These are our realities. Most of our kids have some sort of support, but nobody ever wants to talk about it. Most people don't want to talk about being bad parents. I'm like, I'm a good parent, hands down. I know that, but I'm also, you know, not horrible, but I'm lazy. There's times where I'm, I'm not a good parent. There's times where I said the wrong You're thing. You're not lazy. Right? No, wait, my, yeah. oh, my kid thinks I'm yeah. lazy. My kid thinks all I do is <laughs> I love, I, I love that so much. Cause I think so too. I think there's a heck of a lot as we reach out to podcast guests for this show. I just find more and more and more single parents out there, solo moms out there in professional lives mm-hmm. and they never talk about it. Yeah. It's so surprising to find it. And it's, yeah, if only all of the single parents who were doing well on the outside, <laughs> at least and, and professionally achieving or, or whatever, if only we identified ourselves and said, Hey, yeah, single moms club here too. Yeah. It would be amazing because it would just light such a different, shine such a different light on it. I think people yep. don't realize how common it is. So we stay in bad situations. Yep. We're terrified of becoming single parents. And yet there's so many single parents out here rocking it. We just need to own it. Yes. Preach it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think yeah. um, this can go a little way sharing openly, you know, our realities can go a long way to helping other people let go of yes. that mom guilt that we've been talking about. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like we think it's when we think that it's just us that, you know, the shame and the guilt and all of that stuff sets in. And that's the hardest thing. It's, and sorry, if, the, if you, there's background noise, the trash truck is right in front of my window, okay. literally right now. <laughs> um, but it's, it's one of those things where, you know, <laughs> It is so hard for us to accept that, you know, that we're not in this alone because when you, when you go through divorce, unless you have an entire like cheering squad, if you don't have like the family and everyone supporting you, just that stage of mm-hmm. starting a divorce is exhausting. It's expensive. It is brain numbing. It is just the most destroying process you can go through, even in a good divorce. Like I had a good divorce. It was easy. We barely had lawyers involved. We never even went to a court. We literally signed everything, agreed to everything and filed it with the court and went our happy way. Like, and yet it still costs money. It still takes time. You're still negotiating your life and your child's life. And it's this very complicated, difficult process. And if you're doing that essentially alone, of course you don't want to. Why would you want to leave? Like, why would you want to make your life worse? You're like, well, my life is bad, but it's going to be worse if I go through this. But we don't see what's yes. on the other side. And that's where, you know, I think if we could have more single parents that stand up and say, yeah, the first two years, really going to suck. Like, and I tell people open eyes, like, divorce, <laughs> it sucks. Figuring out custody, it sucks. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not here to sugarcoat it. But it gets better. And when your kids see you happy, when your kids see you actually in a healthy relationship years down the road, when your kids see you not crying yourself to sleep at night because you're miserable, exhausted, tired, and angry at the person you share a home with, your kids are better people. You know, we, and I always said, I'm like, you know, would I have divorced my ex-husband? Probably at some point, but she was my catalyst. My daughter was because I didn't want her to see our relationship and accept that as her future. And I was like, no, she will not witness this and say, that's the type yes. of relationship that I deserve. Oh my goodness. Jen, you're that, like, that's so you're important. Sharing my story. 
Cause my thought process was exactly <laughs> the same. It was like, you know what? I know right. this is going to be hard, but like mm-hmm. I'm doing this for myself and I'm doing it for my son because this is not the model of a relationship that I want to offer to him. Like it, it yeah, just yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the longer you stay, the, the more entwined it is. And as I learned the hard way, you know, your kids are being impacted. Oh. Even if you think you're shielding them and protecting them, there's nothing that can hide it. Uh, and that's the thing. If, like if they grow up in an environment like that, if, if our kids see us never fight and you're like, Oh, I, they never see me fight with my ex. They don't know that we're in a bad marriage. They see you unhappy and they just assume that yeah. that's adulthood. They start to assume, well, you're just supposed to be unhappy because look at my parents. They never talk. They're miserable. They're, you know, they're happy when they're with me, maybe, but they're not happy as individuals. And so we're literally programming our children to say it's okay to be unhappy in life. And that's where I, again, I'm not saying I'm not advocating divorce and being like, go divorce yourself. (laughs) But for those of us that have made that choice, it does get better. Like you left that person for a reason. You now get to do what you want to do. You get to do what lifts you up and your kids see that they see you choose joy. They see you choose to go back to school, to take that new career, to go join a sports team or whatever it is that lights you up. And it, it helps them as children, but it helps them as adults to actually witness and see what that means to be a strong, happy person. Absolutely. It's sort of no matter how hard it is to get out of the relationship that's not working, it's so freeing yeah. and amazing to find yourself again and get your own yeah. life back. And that's the best mm-hmm. part, right? Like I, I have a friend that recently is going through a divorce and and I was like, girl, go find you. Yes. Like, what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to live? Now, she doesn't have kids in this situation, so it's a little bit different, but I'm like, where do you want to live? Like, what brings you joy when you travel to these cities? What lights you up? Like go live on a beach, go live in a downtown city, like go live somewhere that is different than what you've ever experienced. Like she was very entwined with her ex and his life, and his family. And she lost a lot of herself in that process. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, like go find you, like take up paddleboarding, take up kayaking, take up hiking. I don't care. Go do something. And if you hate it, you hate yeah. it, yeah. but at least, you know, you hate it. <laughs> or if you love it, you yes, know, you love yes. it. It's not someone else saying we're doing this this weekend. And you're like, okay, I'm along for the ride. I'm like, go find you. I think that's such a powerful act, you know, when, and, and yeah. divorce, you know, as sucky as it can be is such an amazing opportunity to yeah. start looking inward and decide yeah. what do I really want? And and don't get into it. Like there, there's this habit that we have as humans, like we just want to be paired up. And so we, we have a tendency yeah. to jump back into another relationship too soon. Mm-hmm. And then we lose ourselves again. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you make such a great point. Just go and find yourself, <laughs> figure out what you want yeah. and get really solid in it. And then you yes. can go see yeah. if, and find somebody who fits into that mold. Yes, exactly. Yeah, find your, amazing. your foundation. And then if you, it turns out you really love music, well then you, maybe you find somebody who is either in music as well, or maybe they're not in music, but they are like, they're like, I will be your biggest cheerleader. I'll be front row at every gig you do. Like yeah. find somebody who's going to support that because that's what matters to you. Yes. Not find somebody who's like, Oh no, I never go to concerts. I can't stand loud music. Probably not going to be a good fit, <laughs> but you know that now because you it. know yeah. what lights you up. Yeah. You know what's going to be your passion point and you can find people to bring into your life that support you through that and not minimize or diminish the things that bring you joy. Yes. I love it. We're going to have to do a whole another episode. You know, <laughs> I think so. It's going to all be about dating and finding yourself. And oh, girl, I can go all day on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm dating that queen. I have this mastered to a, like an actual strategic science. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. We definitely have to do a all part right. two. We'll put this yes, on the calendar. We have to do a part two. <laughs> Sounds good. So 
Thank you so much. This has been so good. And I really think a message that people need to hear is just that, that whole piece about the mom guilt and how you can create a different life that looks a little different, but is so intentional that you're hitting all the highlights and the things that are important to you. And I love how you've shared your stories about doing that. So we do have a lightning round of questions. Oh, no. Um, so here you go. Um, Carmel, do you want to get started with yes, the first question? Yes, this is always our first one. So it's a fill in the blank. Single parenting is exhausting. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way. Fair. <laughs> Fair. All right. So even though you're, um, exhausted, you're also rocking it at the same time. Can you tell me what kinds of things have you and your daughter come up with that, that are kind of like your own traditions? Do you have any special moments or traditions that you do? Just the two of we you. We have a ton of traditions. And part of it that's actually passed down from my mom because my mom was very creative. My mom was very um, artsy and that sort of thing. So my mo- daughter and I, we make cookies every holiday. So whether it's you know Easter, Valentine's mm. Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, we bake homemade cookies and paint them, decorate them. So we do that sort of thing. We have our little, you know, morning routines, even like on the weekends where, you know, we come downstairs and we have breakfast kind of together, but then I lay on the couch and watch a Hallmark movie because total cheesy Hallmark movie buff over here. And she watches on her iPad with me. So it's like, she knows not to interrupt me. It's my quiet time, but we're together and we've established mm-hmm. boundaries. So that's a like, it's a safe space for me, but it's a safe space for her, but it's become a routine. It's like literally every Saturday morning, that's what we do. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got a ton of, you know, special traditions for holidays and, you know, how we do it. I mean, I blow up a gazillion balloons and infiltrate my entire living room to like basically ball pit level with balloons. because She loves balloons. So birthdays and holidays, there's like 3000 balloons in my living room, but yeah, oh my goodness. Just, anything I can do to make those memories special. I want her to grow up saying my mom made my childhood. Oh, so yes. beautiful. That's the ultimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Who inspires you and why? Oh gosh. So many people. Um, I would say, you know, I'm lucky to have a lot of really good, strong single parents in my life. Um, my boyfriend is one of them. He raised five kids on his own and they're all happy, healthy, well-adjusted adults. They are successful. They are kind. They are loving And he did that with a lot more adversity than I ever have. Um, So to have his support and, you know, when things are tough and I'm like, God, kids. And he's like, yeah, tell me about it. But, you know, to have his support and and his, his reassurance, but to see all like how great his kids are. I've got some mom friends that are, again, you know, single moms and that sort of thing that I look at them and go, okay, like the things that they did raising their kids. And even some of these moms aren't even single. Some of them are in very happy relationships, but that have raised strong, talented, independent, wonderful young adults, you know, teenagers and into, you know, 20 year olds. When, when they share their mom advice, when they share their parenting advice, I'm like, okay, I'm taking your advice because you've got a good kid out of this, right? So (laughs) it, it really is that network of, of amazing other parents that are just, we need those people. We need someone that lets us see what the future can look like. Mm, that's awesome. You're so right. I love that. Um, okay. One last question. So as an entrepreneur and a single mom, you've probably done a lot of work on personal development and stuff like that. Any great recommendations for books or audio or movies that you can share with single parents? So my biggest thing that I did for me and my daughter was human design. Um, and human design mm. is something that goes through, it's like a whole, it's like a next level beyond like astrology and all those sorts of things. Right. So it's not just like, here's your Zodiac sign, but it's like, here is your genetic disposition. It's based on the date and time when you were born, like the stars that were in alignment, but it gives you all these gates. So there's like seven centers and there's all these gates and we're all different. And so like, I know I'm a manifesting generator. I'm, just, I'm the type of person I'm like, if I make my mind up, get out of my way because it's going to happen, right? Like I said, I'm, I'm going to have a cheering squad. It took me a year, people. We made a cheering squad happen, right? Like that's me. Yeah. But my daughter is a very different communicator. She has a completely different means of communication of how she receives information, of how she 
communicates in response. And she's a little engineer brain. I'm a traditional learner. She's got, she's not ADHD, but she has some similar tendencies where we homeschooled and I struggled really hard to teach her because I'm like, I don't know how else to teach this. Why are you not getting this? And she's like, you're saying this in a foreign language. What are you trying to teach me? And, and we butted heads a lot. So going through human design and learning what her communication set is, learning where Mm. her strengths are, learning what her natural intuitive tendencies are, changed the game. And it has made such a difference. It's allowed me to tell her teachers, these are things to be aware of when she communicates. These are things to be aware of and how she consumes information. And not that I'm trying to like infiltrate what the teachers are doing, but for extra guidance, it's been game changing and allowed us to have a much better relationship because I'm not trying to communicate with her the way that I would want to be communicated with. Mm, That's amazing. And just decide awesome. now that teachers appreciate it. Not, not when you like super duper butt yourself in, but when you give them information yeah. that helps them to yeah. connect with your kid, they love that Yeah, because it makes their job so much Good. easier. Yeah. So yeah, just side. There you go. So you have a pass. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Jen, that's fantastic. How you learned her communication style and yours and how you're using that to help educate her and, and just live with her better. That's, that's a really brilliant thing to do. It, it took time. It, it's not an easy solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when we know that stuff about our kids, I know that when I found out my kids were ADHD, suddenly it's like, oh, if I'm harping on you to keep your room clean and you're ADHD and it does not process in your brain, yeah. we are always going to be fighting and there's no, there's no win. Yeah. So those things are important yeah, to learn. Information. I set that boundary with my, with my daughter. I was like, look, you keep my house clean. I don't care what you do in your room. So her room is a ginormous pit of toys. It's, you can't see the carpet in her room. I'm like, there's a path from the door to her bed. That is it. But I don't care. I'm like, it is your room. You, yes. you do what you want in your room, but she has to clean up. She can't leave toys in my living room. She can't leave toys downstairs. Like, so we set a boundary, but she has her space where she can do what she wants. Mom stays out of it. I'm with awesome. you on that one. Awesome. I do the same with my son. I'm like, I don't care yeah. if you want your room to be, it. you know, as long as there's no food. No food. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just invites no animals, other. no ants. <laughs> but, yeah, no ants. Yeah. <laughs> no bugs. But, but, you know, the common areas of the house, like you need to be respectful of everybody else who's here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, which is me. <laughs> <It's just> me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Jen, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing your single parent story. It's, it's been fantastic to talk to you and hear, you know, just the way you do things. It's really interesting. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. And I hope that, you know, if anybody gets anything out of this, then it's, then it's worth it. And in, in spades to, be able to share and help other single parents figure it out as they go because we really do need that community so i love that you guys have this podcast and are helping other single parents thank you before you leave we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician laura kosh who wrote our intro slash outro music laura is the singer songwriter for the band the quirks and you can find them online at the quirks k-w-e-r-k-s dot com If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening.